My dear listeners, I hope today is going amazing for you. Join me on my podcast as I share stories of people just like you who made bold decisions in their lives and in turn, they live their dreams. As they say, it's up to you to make it happen. This show is sponsored by BioMental, all natural nutritional supplements for your daily needs. Always stay healthy, strong and focused, and the rest will follow. To learn more, go to biomental.org. Hello everyone, today we're meeting Ian Williams. He is an author, a speaker and a business advisor. Hi Ian, thank you for joining us today. Hello, thanks for the opportunity. Looking forward to being here. Thank you. Let's start a conversation with diving into your story of becoming the person you are today. So what led you to discover your own passion in life? How did it start for you? Uh, It goes back to probably 2013. Um, You know, this is where I was in life at the time. I was in college and undergrad. Uh, I had spent the last 10 years kind of screwing around. Um, And I had a, what I can only say is a mystical experience. Um, I still don't really know how to describe it. That really kind of changed the trajectory of my life. Um, It really kind of rattled the cage um, and kind of shattered my reality of what I thought reality was, my perception of reality. Um, And that was a big, that was a big wake up call moment. Uh, It was a big, it was the beginning of a big, reevaluative phase. Um, and that phase really was a lot about kind of deep internal work, self-discovery, uh, things of that nature. So probably goes back about a decade, uh, you know, but of course life is ongoing. There's always new things to learn and, and ways to grow and develop. Wow, that mystical experience. Can you uh, dive in more into detail? What exactly did you experience and your uh, I guess, a reflection on that experience and how it helped you to, to uh, shape your vision forward and how did you know where to go from that point on? Yeah, I mean, I can certainly share. Um, for context, I was probably about 10 years into substance use and abuse at this point. Um, and during undergrad, um, I picked, I inherited a dog. I was living with some guys. We got this dog for the summer. Uh, and then when our lease was up, we had to figure out where she was going to go. So I brought her home with me, um, and she entered my life for the next five years. Um, and I think at the time I thought it was going to be an opportunity to teach me a little bit about responsibility, you know, kind of help me get my own things in order, so to speak. Um, and Anybody who's been close with a pet knows there's, you know, so many wonderful mem- memories and there's a close bond, but she wasn't the healthiest of animals. And so after a number of, you know, dog bite or dog fights and people bites, things like this, I just, I just realized this isn't sustainable. Um, I don't think she's going to turn it around. We had done everything we could at that point. You know, we had seen psychologists and dog trainers and testing and we had just invested so much. 
um, and life was very small, right? I mean, she kind of had to be at home all the time um, or in the car. And so we, we made the tough decision as a family to let her go. And um, that was, you know, traumatic as it's, it's not the same as, you know, when a pet is old and it's kind of their time and you've had a, a full lifetime with them. So we took her to the vet on uh, December 30th of 2013, a day I will never forget. And a couple days later, I was laying in bed. Uh, it was kind of the middle of the night. I had woken up from a dream. I was just kind of staring at the ceiling and she poked her nose in the room. She, she poked the door open. She hopped up on the bed next to me. I could see her, I could hear her, but she didn't make an imprint on the mattress. Uh, and she curled up and she let out that sigh that she always let out when it was time to go to bed. And I fell asleep. And I woke up in the morning uh, and I was doing a lot of journaling at the time to kind of process through this stuff. And I started journaling as if it were a dream that I had been having until I realized I was awake when it happened. And so it was just a, it was a profound moment. It was something that was completely unexplainable still to this day. Um, and it was at that moment where I realized the way I think the world works, there's clearly more to it. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it was just an opportunity to, to really dive deep. You know, at that point I had already made the commitment to, you know, an animal occupies so much time and space in your life. And I had already made the commitment to try and fill that space with other things that were healthy. You know, I started training for a marathon. I was like, as mentioned, I was doing a lot of journaling, uh, therapy, started going to yoga. Like I just, I was starting to pick up a lot of new habits because I was trying to get serious about my health and well-being. And then when this experience happened, it just completely changed the trajectory of my life and my perspective about what reality was. And so I entered that next chapter, not just with the intention of getting healthy and focusing on my well-being, but there was so much more reverence in the process. It, it became such so much deeper of an experience and a journey to to really learn like what is this spirituality thing about and along the way all of the self-discovery um, that went along with it you know so that that self-discovery process I think is ultimately if I could say it in a nutshell what led me to my passions in life you know what led me to my gifts and the service work that I do now but it wasn't a straight and narrow you know it was a very winding path with a lot of exploration and a lot of commitment to self-discovery. Right, and that helped you to kind of pick up good habits in your life. And you would say that you started working on your own personal development in the moment. And what would you think um, is important to focus on in terms of finding your voice for those people who are still searching and exploring uh, do you think there are some certain habits that would be beneficial for them to start doing right now that will bring them to that point in life where they will, you know, kind of go to that next level? To me, it all boils down to a couple things. The first is self-awareness and the second is behavior modification. Uh, I think you can get to those two things in a number of different ways, but that's where I would say it starts. Um, 
the things that I was doing from a self-discovery perspective were honestly at the time things I was doing, like I said, for my health and well-being, right? And so at that time I had the awareness to know that I was uh, using substances as a way to self-medicate for depression and, anx and anxiety. So I had already acknowledged that I had already been going to therapy. I had already accepted like these are just parts of my life and I want to find a more sustainable way to address them, deal with them. Uh, and so that's really what I was trying to do at the time was build skills around emotional regulation, right? Mm -hmm. um, to kind of raise the floor, so to speak, of my health and well-being. And, but I didn't necessarily know what was going to work. You know, at that time, really the only tool that I had aside from substance use was journaling. And, you know, I, I spent hours at my desk alone in silence, just processing through all of the stuff that was coming up. But then moving into like the energy art practices, yoga, qigong, tai chi, meditation, martial arts, these things really gave me an avenue to um, create some like body consciousness and some body awareness that really helped me get a better understanding of like, how do I deal with my anxiety when it crops up? What's an effective uh, way to respond to it? How do I, what do I do when depression crops up and what's an effective way to respond to it? Um, and so that self-awareness process was of course built over a number of years and a lot of exploration. The other thing uh, that I mentioned earlier being behavior modification, ultimately that's kind of what it boils down to, right? Like if you want a different output, you need different inputs. You need to change the front of the equation if you want, if you want the answer to be different on the back end. And that was a tough lesson to learn. Uh, and it still is, um, right? Because it's not like every day is smooth sailing for any of us. Um, well, perhaps there are some people out there who, who figured out how to ride that wave, but I'm not one of them yet. Um, and that, that behavior modification piece was really key, you know, figuring out what, you know, today, do I need to go for a run or do I need to strength train in this moment? Do I need to, you know, do some yoga or meditation, or do I need to sit with my journal? What's the best way to deal with how I'm feeling in the moment and what's going to get me to where I think I want to go, right? Where I think I want to be. So I think that those two things are really cornerstone pieces for me and my personal and self-development journey. But the other thing that I learned along the way was um, the importance of curiosity, you know, the importance of understanding this is a process. And I'm actually not engaging in this process in order to try and reach a destination. I'm engaging in this process in order to enjoy the process itself. And so that that really helped in terms of, you know, just staying curious, right? Today, I discovered this thing that I don't like about myself but at least I discovered it. And now it gives me the opportunity to do something about it. Whereas before it was unconscious, it was under the surface and I couldn't, I couldn't really put my finger on it. And so therefore I couldn't really manipulate it or change it. So those are some of the key pieces for me. We could obviously dive deep into, you know, other things that I got out of journaling and energy arts, et cetera, but those are really cornerstone pieces for me as the self-awareness, the behavior modification, and just curiosity in general. Right, because a lot of times people don't know how to process their emotions, how to name them and how to deal with them. And they trying to escape that feeling with 
different substances or other type of addiction that's out there. And uh, again, like with them to be self-aware and to allow themselves to feel it and to find tools out there that helps them to process those emotions. This is very important to um, to to know that it's something that every one of us can do. And again, like it, it differs from one to another, like we're all unique uh, human beings here, but maybe for some people journaling works more than meditation, but you have to be curious, like you said, and discover what works for you. But again, with you um, being aware, acknowledging what you're going through, um, and diving deeper into knowing yourself, it will help you to also connect with other people as well. Don't you think so? Yeah, I think it it starts with, um, I mean, community was was big for me, right? If, if there's anybody listening who's in recovery right now, sober, um, I, I think they might be able to resonate. But my intention at the time when I was, you know, getting clean and, and sober was, well, I'll, I just won't use anymore, but I'll still stick with all of my friends. You know, I'll have all the same friends. I'll have the same community. And that isn't the case. It wasn't the case. You know, my social life completely turned upside down. Um, and I, it was kind of fortunate and unfortunate that at the same time that I was starting to enter, you know, recovery and sobriety, I was also going through this deep kind of transformational change process internally, and I needed a lot of alone time. Um, I'm introverted by nature. Uh, I know many people are not, but that was that's what worked for me. Um, but it wasn't necessarily an easy process. You know, I needed that time alone to reflect, to contemplate, to process, and at times you know, I just wanted to go be with friends, go be with people who I could just kind of hang out and relax with. And I didn't necessarily have that at the time. Um, but my self-development journey led me to community, right? I met amazing people through that process, which I don't think I would have, you know, had I not really taken those steps. And so to your point, community is, it's, it's what we're here to do, right? I mean, it's, it's, it is a foundational need for us as humans and, you know, serving one another and building healthy communities is really, you know, and if we think about kind of the, the macro change that needs to happen in the world right now, we're going to need to do it together. But in order to do it together effectively, I think the individuals within these groups and communities need to be doing their own internal work along the way. But yeah, absolutely. I think the, uh, the relationships are key. Yeah, definitely. But in order for us to establish healthy relationship, we need to first make that with ourselves. So that's the most important relationship is with ourselves and to know ourselves on a deeper level and know um, what we can heal. And just again, like we're all work in progress. Uh, we learn as we go, but uh, with us willing to work, uh, on ourselves and develop our character and look at <clears throat> at what's important in your life, like um, putting your mental health as a priority, you know, and making time for yourself uh, is important. And again, like you said, community, it's something that is 
is gonna eventually become part of your surrounding like people who would be supportive who would help you in that journey you will meet them along the way and um that's gonna happen naturally as soon as you start working on what's important and uh, together uh, we can you know build a more sustainable environment for each other to grow and uh, i know that you are also working as a business consultant uh, for organizations to help grow that environment within organization if you can just elaborate more for what you do and what is the vision for the company yeah absolutely i mean it's the vision for the company is really born out of my personal experience right from a from a theory of change perspective you know my own self revival improved my life immensely and it was a lot of hard work but it was all well worth it um i think the professionally what was going on at that same time in my life is um, I was working at a, as an educator, you know, I was in mission-driven organizations. And what I was noticing, no matter which organization I was a part of, was it always felt like there was meat left on the bone. There were opportunities left on the table that that weren't being fully actualized. And that really, um, it was frustrating for me. As someone who's now learned, I kind of have this natural organizational management skill set. Um, and so I was always trying to work within these organizations to make improvements from an operational standpoint. And oftentimes it was, you know, kind of swimming upstream in order to make those changes, if at all. And at the same time, I had my own, you know, kind of self-revival was around the same time that I had my awakening to the climate crisis. Um, it was around the same time that I started waking up to social justice issues. And so all of these things were kind of converging and out of that came kind of three foundational uh, pillars of work. One is nature and the natural environment. Two is business itself. And then the third, you know, you could call it health and well-being. You could call it spirituality, whatever you want. But those three pillars for me really became this kind of cultural nexus of my own that I was really interested in exploring. So fast forward a bit. Uh, I went back to grad school to try and make sense of all of these thoughts that were running around in my head in terms of how to make them manifest in the world as a company. Um, and now this is what we do. We move into, we, we, we help organizations, usually mission-driven organizations, clean up their operations so that we can get to that next phase of, now we can have a more deep and authentic conversation about employee well-being and engagement. And then the third and final phase is now we can start thinking outside the organization in terms of its social and environmental impact. So, you know, the, the employee well-being conversation, I think, is an interesting one because, you know, perhaps many of us have had that experience where you have a 90-minute a training for the day and you're like, cool, that was a nice 90 minutes, but I'm never going to think about this again, nor do I have time to implement this in my day-to-day -day work life. So that's why we focus on operations oftentimes first. We want to create the bandwidth and the capacity for the organization to have a more sustainable, authentic, real conversation about what does well-being look like for these uh, people and what does well-being look like for this organization, right? And then those two things, again, leading to this kind of theory of change of what is this organization's larger impact? So we have services that we deliver off the shelf. 
Uh, you know, we can, we can come in and we can do the 90 minute training. We can do the five, 10 week course uh, program, but we really try and speak with our clients about the importance of commitment over time, because that commitment over time is what is really going to create the systemic change to improve efficiency and effectiveness and profitability of the organization, the well-being of the employees within that organization, and also increase the, the positive impact that that organization wants to have in its community, on the environment, et cetera. So that's a little bit about our theory of change. We can certainly go deeper into the nuts and the bolts of it. But again, it was all kind of born out of my own personal experience and kind of awakening to this notion that the only way out, the only way to escape what I'm trying to escape is to actually go inward. And then also individuals create healthy communities and healthy individuals are also gonna create healthier organizations and organizations are an integral part of our society, right? And they have a huge impact on the environment because they drive so much of our options as consumers and our purchasing power and decision-making and that impact on the environment. So again, it's 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 all connected in my head, uh, but it's it's a continual process to try and figure out how to communicate it to the outside world as well. Right, and a lot of people who work for organization employees, they spend most of their time working and again like it also affects their mental health in very profound way so with organization making it uh, you know a priority as one of the pillars you just mentioned the well-being of that employee working for them is a very you know important topic to to discuss nowadays because you know people if they don't feel accepted, appreciated, and, um, you know, with them coming to this organization to work every single day, and if they don't feel that drive and connection to the company's values and vision, they would just quit very fast, you know, like, and it, and this is something um, every organization want to have is the retention rate that they should look into why people quit and, and what's the reason for that, how to, to create a much uh, healthy environment for all the employees to thrive in, you know, and um, we should be uh, willing to work on creating that environment. Again, it all comes from the leadership. You know, every organization should uh, have that type of training to train their leadership to kind of implement certain type of um, programs in uh, their uh, organization to help organization grow and to give that environment for people to thrive. And I feel like um, not everybody's doing that. And with you bringing that um, like uh, consultancy work to other organizations, it's very important to, um, to notice that we should be uh, still uh, evaluating what's not working, what's working and to kind of change that. So, that's something yeah. I wanted to stress out because we all, a lot of people work for somebody, you know, not everybody had their own business. And it's one of the factors when you're an employee and you work for organization, 
And if it's not, you know, it doesn't feel right for any reason, you would just quit. So what would make you stay, right? You have to look into that mindset of the person working for you. Why would that person stay, right? What can you provide for that person? Do you meet that person needs? Not just your own organizational needs, but that person needs. So that's something overlooked. Yeah, I, I think, you know, to go back to the, the conversation about personal development, self-awareness and behavior modification, right? And those things can be applied to the individual, but they can also be applied to the organization. Um, I was fortunate or unfortunate uh, enough to be part of organizations that I didn't necessarily feel valued. And there are absolutely companies out there who are doing a great job. But it also goes back to this notion that it's a process. It's not a destination. You know, and we're in an era right now where fortunately this conversation about employee well-being and engagement is front and center, right? In terms of the COVID era and the impact that had, particularly in, in white collar jobs, you know, that conversation is now front and center. Um, I live in Minnesota, I'm in St. Paul, you know, George Floyd was murdered 15 miles from here. Um, that was right in our backyard at the same time. And and so this these last couple of years, I feel like collectively we've really entered into this period of reevaluation, right? And reestablishing those priorities and, and just figuring out what they are. And I think as individuals, you've seen a lot of people, we've seen a lot of people do that, right? They've changed jobs, they've switched careers, they've left W2 employment, now they're entering the gig economy, uh, they're traveling, you know and they're living the van life, whatever they're doing, right? Um, again, for the people who are fortunate enough to have the leverage to make those decisions, there are many people out there who we still need to absolutely be focusing attention on, you know, serving those under-resourced communities as well. Um, and that's one thing that we do is we, we're kind of a buy one, give one organization. So if we get a client that can pay for our services, we try and give those services to an organization that might not be able to afford them. Um, but that kind of reevaluative. This, this period that we're in right now gives us an opportunity to kind of really create a new paradigm. And, you know, the, like one of, the, one of the recent things right now, right, the whole quiet quitting thing, like this conversation about employee engagement is key. Um, and it's, it's, it's one thing to just create an environment where you don't have to go home on a Thursday or Friday night and talk to your spouse about how stressful the week was. But it's something else entirely in order to create an organizational culture, which is really the work that we do from an organizational standpoint. We're focused on culture. It's something entirely different to create an organizational culture that adds to your team's well-being, right? Um, it's not just a job that pays the bills, and it's not a mission or vision or values that you can get behind on paper, but you really feel like you're going to work every day and you're living those values. You're a part of that mission and that vision, and you're helping bring it to life there's a chasm of difference between those two things. Um, and of course it's on a continuum, but really what we try and do is help simplify the process for organizations, right? And so one of the things that I'm saying constantly is we're trying to take a systematic process and create context specific solutions because every organization is different. The people in the organization are different. The nature of the business is different. The community, the context is different. And so it's not our job to say, for example, here's a definition of what um, operational efficiency looks like, and we're just going to go push it on every organization out there. 
It's different for every organization. Here's our definition of employee well-being. We're going to go push it on all those organizations. That's not what we do. We go into organizations and we start with discovery. We start by getting curious, right? The same thing that I was talking about with self-awareness. We learn from the people in the organization what's important to them. What roadblocks are they experiencing? What are frustrations that they're having that they think could be easily solved? And we try and find the leverage points that are going to give us the most bang for our buck. And then we work with leadership and frontline staff to, to make those changes. Because really what we're, our theory of change is that if we can improve the health of this organization and the individuals in it, those individuals will be empowered to go make positive change in their communities outside of work. So we're really searching for that long tail ripple effect um, and, you know, and, and that kind of exponential growth curve of positive impact. That's really why we do the work that we do. Right. And this is important to make sure that those people who work for the organization is satisfied, they fulfilled, and they aligned with the values and vision of the company. They know why they're doing that. Because a lot of times people don't know why they're here. And it's just like automatic process for them. And um, and they feel, you know, stuck, frustrated, and stressed. But when the culture is right, when everything is kind of like um, set up for them to thrive, and they would just be oh, happy to wake up and go work for that type of um, employer. And uh, that spreads, like you said, it will affect people around them as well. So their emotional, mental state, their uh, eagerness to help the organization grow, it will create that ripple effect. And a lot of people will be positively impacted because of that. So thank you so much for the work that you do and uh, sharing your thoughts and wisdom with all of us. And as we close, is there any advice you would want to give to people who are still searching for their passion in life and um, they're trying to find their voice? Uh, if you want to tell what they should focus on in order to, to get to their path. I would say uh, begin with sitting still. Take a moment to pause and create space for yourself to let the noise of the outside world um, kind of do whatever you need to do to shut it out, whether it's for a night or for a weekend or for a week or for a month. And then give yourself time to settle on the inside. First of all, just slow down and accept the truth and embrace the truth that it's going to be an ongoing process. Uh, and it may be challenging, but it's also going to be deeply rewarding. That's where I would start. The solutions that you seek begin with sitting still. And they also exist. They're already inside of you. Inside of you. you just need to take the time to let them out, to let them surface, to let them breathe. Um, I would start there, right? The way out is in. And ultimately the best gift that you can give the world is saving yourself, right? Liberating yourself from whatever compulsive natures you have, whatever neuroses you have, we all have them, right? And so it's not about becoming a perfect individual. It's about embracing 
the process of change, right? And hopefully that's a transformational change that has a domino effect, a positive impact in the world around you and your internal environment, your internal landscape, right? So begin with sitting still, trust that those answers are inside of you and take responsibility for your part of the work, right? Um, the term, like I love the industry name self-help, but there are so many people, myself included, still throwing money at external sources in order to help ourselves internally, right? And and there's a place for everything, right? Like I, I still engage in therapy and things like this, but um, the solutions you seek are already inside you. So take a moment, sit still, contemplate, reflect, um, you know, and find an accountability partner. You know, if you've got someone in your life that you think you can trust to be a listening ear, just let them know where you're at and say, Hey, I really want to do this work. And I might be a little scared to do it. it might be a little easier if I had someone else to do it with me, but I just want to let you know that I'm, I'm starting on this journey and uh, we'll see where it unfolds. And, you know, hopefully we can all meet on the other side. Yes. Beautiful. A lot of, uh things to think about and like you said the answers is all within us and the way out uh, starts within you finding that um you know connection to your true self and helping yourself to heal and again like embracing that journey journey of change and um willing to kind of like feel um joyful as you go so you have to enjoy that path to where you are headed and don't try to just get to the destination, but enjoy it as a you know, present moment here right now with people that you have around you. And um, thank you so much again. It was a pleasure talking to you. Hope you enjoy your day. Absolutely. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to my podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, follow my show and leave me a review. I'd love to hear from you. To check out Intern Store, go to internpodcast.com. Stay tuned.